Open your Bibles, if you would, to Galatians chapter 4, verse 19. And uh, just as you're doing that, um, we're finishing up this series on discipleship today. And uh, we've got a special week this week. I want to just let you in on, uh, we're having some prayer and fasting from, cheer rises in the crowd, uh, uh, prayer and fasting Thursday night after dinner. So you eat dinner. And then you fast until Sunday morning. That's what we're doing corporately. Been doing this for about 20 years, a couple times a year. The fall and in the, in the spring, like a January window. And we'd like to invite you to do that with us. We're going to have a special night of worship on Friday here from 6.30 to 8. Going to be interceding, going to be worshiping, going for it and all that kind of stuff. And, and we'll be praying and seeking the Lord as a church. And a lot of times some great breakthroughs happen. When we take time to push back from the table and say, God, I want you more even than, than food. And if that's new for you, just I encourage you to jump in with us at whatever level you feel comfortable. You don't have to, but you could. You know, there's freedom. There's, in the Lord, we have freedom to do all kinds of crazy stuff, to press into Him and to express a heart of hunger for God. And what happens is, sometimes when we push away, and I'll say some more about fasting in just a minute, because today we're talking about spiritual disciplines. Just a fun topic, right? Spiritual practices, disciplines, and uh, man, everybody just gets all worked up about that. But uh, here we go. Disciples, devotion, and formation. So a couple Bible verses. Um, Galatians, in case you guys didn't know, was either 1 Thessalonians or Galatians was the first letter written in the New Testament. First thing written. And so here's Paul, Galatians 4, verse 19, and listen to the burden that he has, my dear children, for whom I am again in the pains of childbirth until Christ is formed in you. Okay, so Paul, right at the beginning, I mean, he's just, he's writing back to this church. He'd help to get going. He's saying, look, I really want Christ to be formed in you. It's like, it's a, a birthing kind of thing, you know, that I really want Christ to be formed in you. Another passage there. This is all through the New Testament. This is the trajectory for us as disciples. It's not that we just get saved and kind of sit around and wait on Jesus to come or until we die, but that we would be conformed to the image of Christ. That's our trajectory. For those God foreknew, Romans 8, 29, He also predestined to be conformed to the image of His Son, that He might be the firstborn among many brothers and sisters. Or, and we talk about this one in Ephesians chapter 4, verse 13 all the time. And that is that we are on a journey. God's given apostles, prophets, evangelists, pastors, and teachers to help build up the church that we would grow to maturity, that we would grow into the whole measure of the fullness of Christ, having His faith, having His knowledge, and become mature. So the, the desire for us, the trajectory for us is growth. And the final one that I want to mention there, and it could go to many, many others, but it's Colossians. Chapter 3, verse 10, that we are being renewed. Put on the new self and be renewed in the knowledge and in the image of the Creator. That's where this is going. So there is a trajectory. That's what we're, that's what we're doing in this series. Um, and I'll just mention a couple of things that we've touched on. In that first week, we talked about the gospel. The gospel that Jesus came and preached. And it's important that we reorient ourselves to the gospel that Jesus preached. Okay, so... Jesus comes on the scene and he says, repent, the kingdom of God is here. And we have to go, what is the context where that's good news? 
And it's about a king and a kingdom and God reigning and us not looking to somebody else to be our primary allegiance, but Jesus Christ, King of kings, Lord of lords. We leave one kingdom, we come into another kingdom. We leave darkness, we come into light. We leave the kingdom of Satan and we come into the kingdom of King Jesus. Okay? And that's good news. That's good news. It's the best life. It's the best life. And we up and down. I'm up and my thinking is funky sometimes. You know, but when I'm tracking with Jesus, it's the best life there is. I mean, the very best. And so we've been emphasizing that, that, that this life that he's calling us to is a life of following him. And so many of us, you know, the, I think a dominant picture in American evangelical Christianity is that we cross a bridge through Jesus and now we're here we are and we've crossed the bridge. But that's not the end of the journey. That's just like getting back on the road that God always intended in his purpose for man. And that is that we would be conformed to his image, that we would grow into full stature and grow up. And so in discipleship, there's all these these calls and come follow me and lay down things and and be, you know, spend time with me. And so discipleship, disciplines, running the race, suffering. Somebody say amen, right? Suffering, enduring. Church life, the mission, reaching the lost, uh, running the race well, all of these are pictures. And if we don't understand that Jesus is calling us to a life of following him, we'll consider all of those callings optional. 401, upper level class in school or something. Rather than going, you know, we've been added to his people and we we have a common mission together of growing up to become Conform to the image of Christ. Does that make sense? That's what this series has been about. It's what we're about at, at Christ Fellowship. And so through this series, we've talked about practice. We're talking about practice, right? And uh, a couple people understand that. And uh, so like on week one, we talked about giving being a spiritual practice that actually puts our feet on the ground. We can talk ethereally. We can talk in a, in a conceptual way about being a follower of Jesus, but our, our heart goes where our finances are, period. A fact. You know, your treasure dictates where your heart goes. So what you do with your treasure, your heart's always, always following your treasure. And so it's a key discipleship practice for us is that we would be givers, that we would learn to offer tithes and offerings to the Lord, knowing that our our heart's going to be right there behind. So one of the ways I like to say this is in terms of talking about desire and discipline and delight. Desire, discipline, and delight. And so when we start our journey, we go, wow, you know, God's putting new desires. You delight yourself in the Lord. He gives you new desires and he gives you godly desires. And there's great delight that's over there as we grow up. But there's a path that we walk to get there, and it's the path of discipline. Okay? And, it's, you know, it's, we may not like it, but that's, that's the path. It's habits. It's practices. It's things that we cultivate in our life that shape us. James K.A. Smith has a new book out, and the title is, You Are What You Love. You Are What You Love, The Spiritual Power of Habit. And his thesis in this book is that, that we are most fundamentally de- defined by what we love, not by what we think. 
Okay? We're most fundamentally defined by what we love. Not, we're just not like a big head on a stick. You know, and you think the right things and therefore you are the right things or you do the right. It doesn't work that way. You actually are shaped by what you love and you do what you love. And so your habits shape your love and your loves shape your habits. They kind of flow together. Those things work together. We are shaped by what we do. And so the more we we experiment and have an experimental communion with Jesus in the things that we practice, it's like we're, our loves are shaped by those things. Um, Richard Foster in his famous book, Celebration of Discipline, pictures the spiritual disciplines as like a, a path on a high ridge. So it's like a path you're walking on and there's a chasm over here and a chasm over here. And the chasm on the right is moralism. Do this, don't do this, do this, don't do this. And the problem with that is, Paul hits on this in Colossians chapter 2, you can turn those things, don't taste, don't touch, do this, don't do this, you can turn those into idols that take the place of Jesus. And you can do the same thing with the other side of the chasm, which is kind of license and just kind of doing whatever I want, knowing that, hey, grace of God covers this and I'm just going to do it. And so there's a path that we walk and we are trained to walk in that guards us, that guards our hearts, guards our minds, guards our, the, the way we live and helps us to grow up into Jesus. That makes sense? So how do we learn to do this? How do we learn to follow Jesus like so that he's the treasure of all of life for us? That's what we want to do. That's what I want to do. In fact, I'll just say it like this. Years ago, I discovered that in America, I needed some treasure language to help cut through the fact that everybody just kind of in general sees themselves as Christian because they, you know, drive past the church. We're culturally Christian, those kinds of things. And so, you know, when did Jesus become your treasure? Because really, he's not asking to be anything less than that. That helps us to see, do we have any idols? Do we have any allegiances that have taken priority over Jesus Christ? Or if we haven't gotten there yet, saying, I want Jesus to be number one. First allegiance, he is king of kings, lord of lords. And his good news is that he reigns and makes things right in my life. This past Sunday night, we had uh, some, uh, some of the college over at our house that had gone to Greece this past uh, summer. And uh, at the end of our time, one of, the, one of the girls came up to me and said, Hey, Jamie, you know, you've, you've been doing this for a long time now. And I thought, yeah, <laughs> I really have been doing it. I'm in, in thinking about how old she was and how old I am. And then I also had this flash moment where I thought, you know, my spiritual dad in the Lord is, is at least as old, more older than me than I was in than her. And uh, I'm like, wow, that's, that's pretty sobering, you know. But she said, so you've been doing this a long time. How do you make it for the long haul? How do you go the distance? I was like, that's a great question. You know, and I began to talk about spiritual disciplines and practices. There's things that we do to put ourselves in a position to receive the Father's love, to, to uh, cultivate a, a yes in our heart to the things of God, to the ways of Jesus, to treasure Him, to put Him first, to walk in the power of the Spirit, to be filled, to experience the presence of God, not just once, but throughout the course of our day, our week, our month, and our life. 
You know, and it doesn't mean there's not hard stuff that happens. Hard stuff happens. You know, the longer you live, the more you know. Hard stuff happens. Old people are nodding their heads right now. We don't have any old people in here. We got some older people. Um, that's right. We've been doing this deal. I mentioned this in first service, but she's been catching. She go, I'll go, I just can't remember that. She goes, no. No, no we don't say can't remember. You just, I don't know. Okay, I, 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 I'm not going to say I can't remember, but I, I cannot recall right now. <laughs> Help me. Um, but we don't say that. But, you know, we're, one of the things we're doing right now in this whole practice thing is even for the, the training school uh, that Kim and I are helping to lead uh, this year is to go, what's the end of that? What, what is the end for us as disciples? Well, we want to be disciples that are being shaped into the image of Jesus. We want to be disciples that, are, that, that know how to make disciples of other people as well. We want to be disciples who finish the race well. You know, and so... Here I am at 50, and, and I'm on the journey, and I'm not quitting, you know? And uh, one of the things, I'm being, remi- I'm being reminded of all of these things that Don poured into me, that just, my spiritual dad, you know, in trying to get the discipleship school ready to go, it's like stirring up all this stuff from the first 15 years of my journey, really, with the Lord. Those things that got put in there, and and I remember him, I can't tell you how many times he would say, Jamie, I don't want you, and he's not angry, I'm just kind of almost angry, Jamie, I don't want you to out-radical me for Jesus. Because he saw me on fire and wanting to press in, but here he, now he's 86, you know, but at the time, whatever age he was, 50s, 60s, saying, I don't want you to out-radical me for Jesus. I want to press in, I'm going to keep pressing in, I'm, and he is to this day, you know, so here's the main thing. Finishing the race well, running the race, being a disciple, the main thing. God wants us to cultivate a life of devotion through regular spiritual practices. And I want you to add this in your notes if you're taking notes. I I added this after I'd already written it. But regular spiritual practices that result in joy. That result in joy. That was one of the things Don told me years ago. I'd written these cards up, my mission statement, my family mission statement, all this stuff. I was going to do some things for God, right? So I was in my early 20s, and, uh, and he said, Jamie, these are great, but you, my counsel to you would be to add the word joy or enjoy into all of these statements. It was great counsel. And enjoy a relationship with your spouse. Enjoy a relationship with your family, where there's some joy, where we laugh, and it's not, you know, Kim would get on to me. I'd come in to our family time in the mornings, you know, and the hair would be blowing in my, the wind would be blowing in my hair, and I would come down. With the tablets, and I had a revelation, you know, and I just and I would and you know try to do things, and and, and she's like, "You're gonna have to make this fun for these kids, man. You can't like have like the Ten Commandment word every every morning. They're they're, they're spacing. It's early, you know, zoned out. Matthew's staring at a spot on the wall, you know. It's a good word. Like we want to do this, but you know, it, it's delight that's out there. There's joy out there. He endured the cross for the joy." that was set before him. So there's that journey. And uh, before I get to some specific things, I just want to mention there's a breadth of, of our journey as disciples. And you can't just lock into one metaphor to describe what we do. And you might be the athletic metaphor, discipleship person. You might be the everything's a plant person. 
we're growing and you know that's 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 your revelation but it's it's a it's a, there's a breadth okay that's what i'm trying to say so so let's check this out this is from a book called uh gosh i don't have the the title of uh, Thank you. It's in the CF app, which is a great commercial here right now. You can follow along notes and you can email with the blanks filled in to yourself. Okay, so there you go. But this is from James Wilhoyt's book, Spiritual Formation as If the Church Mattered, Growing in Christ Through Community. I love that title. But the point here is I'm going to give you three major areas. So the first one, life and nurture. So that's like potter, clay, we're being shaped. Apprentice, discipleship. Vine and branches. We're connected to Jesus. We abide in Him. Keep going. Hunger and thirst, famine, drought, growth. The, the Apollos one, I planted. Apollos watered. God gave the growth. It's, it's God who grows us up. Different people do different things in our journey, but God does that growing in us. Keep going. Human growth, like newborn infants crave spirit, uh, pure spiritual milk so that you'll grow up. Not stay little babies, but Grow up. There's a journey. We're, we're, we're growing up into adulthood. Plants like trees planted by streams of water. Guard your heart. It's the source. It's the wellspring of life. God's life flowing through that gateway of our hearts from that deep place in our spirit down in here. Our heart staying soft and tender and, 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 and uh, moldable is where literally where the life of God flows through us out into the world. Okay, so that's the life and nurture piece. Another one is life as a journey and struggle. You know, that's a good one. We need to know this one. We don't always like it, but it's a journey. That first one there. God, for they began their journey for the sake of Christ. Coming home, there is a, a longing that we would, like Abra that longing for that city. That there, there's a longing for things being made right and as they should be. Uh, a journey and struggle is that he's close to the brokenhearted. He binds up our wounds. It's it's we don't want to be broken, not working. But there's a good kind of brokenness that brings us. Uh, it, it makes us a, a, a good conduit for the life of God when we're humble, when we've been touched by just the dealings that come into our life from different things and situations. Keep going. Athletics, journey and struggle, you know, so, you know, an athlete competes according to the rules. He trains. There's a training piece that goes into this. There's a putting on and a taking off of uh, putting off darkness, putting off the old life and putting on kindness, compassion, things of the new life, new attitude, new mind, humility, meekness, patience. Keep going. Uh, you know, here's one. And I don't like this one as much, but I, I've had to embrace it over time. It's the 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 image of battle and struggle putting on the I've been getting these words you know put on the armor of God those kinds of things and for me I shared this a couple of weeks ago but 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 the armor for me I think of a big steel kind of breastplate of righteousness and it's clunky and big and you know it just it, that that imagery didn't work and so I started using the right side of my brain and you know you can do that in your relationship with God you can and so the right side of my brain was was to put on, instead of big clunky armor like that, I put on elven armor. You know, it's kind of like form-fitted, it breathes, it moves, breastplate of right, and it has some of these deals right here. Um, and, you know, just like a shield of faith and the helmet of salvation, sword of the Spirit, belt of truth, feet fitted with the, the gospel of peace, ready to 
to be, uh, to be in this battle. The race is another one. Run with ra- perseverance. The race set out for us. And then the final one, final area is life and resurrection. So redemption, that's a picture of discipleship that we want flowing into all of our lives. Cross and redemption. And if you don't see this about the cross, that Jesus says, come and follow me. Take up your cross and follow me. If you don't get this, then you'll always be surprised when something hard happens. And it's just like, and I don't want bad stuff for anybody, but instead of being just blown out of the water, there is a journey that Jesus calls us to that is a journey like him of going low through all kinds of painful things in order that his life would be seen in us. We carry around in our bodies all the time the death of Jesus so that his life could be seen in us. Cross and redemption, that's part of the journey. Disease and healing. God wants us moving from, and he's, he's done this by dying for us, but he wants that fullness of healing in our lives. We live in the in-between time, now and not yet. We don't see everybody healed, but we are in a process of seeing wonderful, incredible kinds of healing and freedom and deliverance and people being set free and physically healed, all those kinds of things. I think that's it. Is there any more? Oh, two, two more. Uh, exile. Um, so we're coming out of being strangers and aliens and brought into the promise of God. And an open door is another metaphor for discipleship that we often have open doors. And the question is, Jesus is going like this, but will you come through this with me? Will you accept my invitation into this next chapter of life, ministry, whatever he's wanting to lead us into? So let me mention then, we grow as disciples through two kind of, I'm going to just mention individual practices and corporate practices. Everybody tracking? This, is, this, this message is a little bit like I'm giving you guys some things that you can hold on to and use in an experimental kind of way. Okay, so George Mueller, one of our big heroes from the past, said he liked to practice experimental communion. I love that phrase because it makes it like, hey, I can try some stuff. Some things don't work. Some things do work. Some things work for a season. Sometimes I need to move on to the next thing. All of these are a part of the journey, right? And we're not just an athletic picture. We're not just a plant. We're not just... All of these things are all part of the journey, right? So the first one, individual practices. Y'all probably know what this is going to be. Morning time with Jesus. My number one piece, the most important pastor, besides loving God and loving each other, the number one thing I could encourage you to do is to spend time morning by morning with Jesus. And that's where you just spend some time worshiping, spend some time in the Word, spend some time praying, uh, maybe change your position from time to time, get on your knees. The, I, I was at a table the other night at the discipleship school, and one of the sisters there at the table said, you guys, don't you know, don't you, don't you see this, that, that He's going to meet with us Every single morning. There's not a morning where he's not going to... Do you see this? And we were like, wow. Yeah. It's exciting. He's going to meet with us. And we, we have fellowship with him. And we connect with him. And it's like we get recalibrated. And we don't go a long way without repenting and turning our hearts back to him. You know, it's hard to meet with him morning after morning and just kind of staying in rank sin and just kind of going on down the road. Instead, no. We turn. We turn to Jesus the lover of our, he's loving us. His kindness is wooing us and drawing us again and again. We listen to him. We worship all those different, 
different things. I've had, down through the years, I can't tell you how many people have said, well, you know, I'm not a morning person. Well, I just kind of abide in Jesus all day long. Like, wow, that's, that's the goal of my life. I want to do that too. I just find that I do it way better when I start with a little bit of intentional time in the morning. You know, my good friend, Jimmy Seibert, down in Waco, you know, is, has often said, you know, I can't stay out of sin on just a couple of minutes, uh, you know, in the morning. I need some time with Jesus to recalibrate my thinking, renew my mind, my heart, get my emotions filled up, be strengthened in the Lord. So that's a, that's a first one, morning time with Jesus. Second, abiding in Christ. I just mentioned that. But apart from abiding, staying connected to Jesus, how much can we actually do with life? Zero. Apart from Him, we can do nothing. So abiding, it could be, I don't have my phone, but just I'll set Jesus appointments on the hour. I, I do all kinds of stuff to help me turn to the Lord throughout the course of the day. I can be in a meeting with somebody and that Jesus appointment goes off and I just, Jesus, I love you. I, I don't say it, that'd be weird. Um, just like they're talking and Jesus, I love you. <laughs> Middle of a conversation. But I'm inside, I can do that just to abide in Him. Keep my heart turning. Lord, give me wisdom right now in this meeting. Just to abide in Him. Okay, another one. Study and meditation. This is be a, a, a discipline where we open the Word, where we maybe read. Uh, one, of our, one of my big deals is reading repetitively. Like Ephesians 1 to 3, John 13 to 17. Not all scripture is exactly the same level of intensity, right? There are high places where you want to be very familiar. Read those things out loud. Meditate on, chew that. You start getting the word inside of you, you know, it's like chewing like a cow, you know. And you're thinking about it, and, and then it comes up as, as hot bread in the middle of the day. You start your day like that. And then all of a sudden, somebody's going through something and, and you know, you're not pulling out a hard crust from three or four weeks ago, but you got piping hot, buttery, you know, just, hey, man, this, I feel like this word's for you, you know? So study, meditation, so that we can hear the Lord, have our minds shaped by Jesus. Another one, praying scripture. Basically, study and meditation can lead into that. But if I just say, you are all sons of God through faith in Christ Jesus, this is the way I would do this. I literally, in my office, study at home or office up here, just I start walking. And I say the Scripture out loud. People at different times of the day can hear me in there reading Scripture, praying to the Lord. You are all sons of God through faith in Christ Jesus. Lord, I thank You that I'm a son. I thank You, Father. And So you're not on a shaky limb to... Read Scripture and then pray it back to God. It's not like, oh, I don't know if this is God's will. So pray and crazy stuff starts happening. When you start learning to pray Scripture, all of a sudden things get stirred up in you and that becomes revelation to you. Some of the best preaching I ever do is when I'm praying in Scripture and have to run over to the computer and start writing down because it's like, you know, I'm getting stuff, right? Okay, so pray in Scripture. Personal worship. Another discipline. Uh, practice personal worship what is that it's like experiment with some of the stuff that you see in the bible that, that's a great thing to do get in there put your headphones on turn the music up it's not quite it becomes not a quiet time at that point turn the music up worship out loud change positions kneel 
dance. You know, if, like, I could never dance. Well, then practice it alone before you, you know, what happens is your water level goes up when you worship by yourself, and then you bring that here, and the whole thing's rising. You know, it's rising. And so practice, you know, okay, so you've never danced before. That's fine. You know, I, and, and so maybe you just, you know, you just a little bit of hopping, a little bit of bouncing with, you know, that kind of thing. And maybe one day it's just full on. And nobody's judging you. There's no, but when we started the church, I wanted the freedom to be able to worship like I saw worship in the Bible. Standing, kneeling, falling, laying prostrate, shouting, you know, give a shout to the Lord, those kinds of things. All of that's legit, and it helps when we practice that in our own time with the Lord as a discipline. Personal retreat is another one. That's just where you take two or three hours. It could be a day, but it could be as short as just a couple hours. Go to a park and just pray. Seek God. Read some scripture. And in that extended time, great stuff happens. Great stuff happens. I was just did it a few months ago down at uh, Cameron Park in Waco. It was a little cooler than it is right now, but it was just a glorious morning, praying out loud. Nobody was around. It's just awesome on one of those little points and, you know, way back in there. Um, listening. So I want to say a word about listening. This can be in your quiet time, but, but we, want to get, we want to be people that are letting Jesus speak into the different situations of our lives. We want, so, Father, let your kingdom come and your will be done on earth as it is in heaven means I want to listen to hear what his kingdom will is so that I can express it in places where I have a say-so. So that means in my relationships or in the church life, or in my job, or all those different kinds of things. But to do that in our culture, we need some stillness. We need maybe some silence. These are big challenges for us. We need some solitude, just being alone with the Lord. John Ortberg, famous pastor from California, uh, his mentor was Dallas Willard, who's now with the Lord. But uh, he asked Dallas, he said, John... I mean, Dallas, would you just give me like a, a spiritual nugget for my own spiritual growth? Something that you would just, you know, for me, just get, I want to get what's in there. Would you just give it to me? He said, OK, yeah. Ruthlessly eliminate hurry from your life, from, from your life. And he's like, oh, man, bullet number one. That is great. Ruthlessly writes it down. And then he looks back up at Dallas and says, OK, got another. one." And Dallas said, no, ruthlessly eliminate hurry from your life. And that's, that's a profound word for us in our culture as we're just running from thing to thing. Somebody, that's an amen spot right there. Because uh, Foster, in that book I referred to earlier, Celebration of Discipline, he wrote that book, I was skimming through it for this sermon, and he wrote that book in 78. And he, he said, technology has become so advanced, this is 1978, Technology has become so advanced, it's so hard now to stay focused and to listen and to dial in with Jesus. Because technology, this is pre-internet, pre-smartphone. And back then he's saying, wow, what's happened with technology is making it really hard for us to focus. So Lord, help us. Lord, help us on this listening thing. Fasting would be the last one I would mention on individual practices. Jesus fasted, Paul fasted, Jesus said, when you fast, not if you do. Um, the great saints from the past fasted. Um, Wesley with the Methodists uh, wouldn't ordain, uh, so 
the, in the Didache, which is the, early, the earliest church kind of teaching on kind of standardized teaching for the church, it was fasting two days a week. So that's the early, the, the early church, first, second century. And, you know, Wesley kind of picked that up and wouldn't ordain anybody, that, his Methodist ministers that didn't fast two days a week. And, you know, in my own journey, you know, I just, I had to, if you've never heard this, then you, there's a point in time where it's got to start somewhere, but you don't have to, but we're free to. We're free to. I mean, you can't add something that's going to make Jesus save you. It's done. So now we're, we're free to follow and experiment with things that are going to put our hearts before him. I remember going to Nashville. This is years and years ago to spend a week with Don Finto. And um, we got to Wednesday and he goes, well, I fast on Wednesdays, so you're welcome to join me in that if you'd like to. And I, I wasn't going to say no. I'd driven up there to be with him for a week. But I'd never done that before. First time. And it was very challenging. I'd said, yeah, no problem. Or, I didn't say that. I said, yeah, yeah. And walked away and was like, oh my gosh. You know, breakfast and lunch. What am I going to do? You know, two meals. Freaking me out. You know? And, you know, down through the years, I've had so many people say just the corporate fast that we do, which let's just jump in on into the next point here. And that is these corporate things that we do. Fasting is one of those as well. And that is like the church in Antioch, they were praying and fasting when the Holy Spirit said, set apart for me Barnabas and Saul for the work to which I've called them. You know, there's a there's a time for praying together, seeking the Lord, pressing in. That's what we're doing uh, this week, you know, and so sometimes what happens in these times is that people try that for the first time and good things happen. You push away from the table to seek God and you're putting yourself in a place for God to fill that that longing in our hearts that we all have that God-shaped place where we need Him. Another corporate practice is corporate prayer. So Matthew 16, 19, I've given you the keys of the kingdom of heaven. I want you unlocking things, locking things. And in Matthew 18, where two or three are gathered, I'm there with you and I want you binding and loosing things. Now here's the mystery of corporate prayer. We're gathering on Friday night, going to have a worship and prayer time but there's just something to me it's a mystery that God in his and he's got all the power right but he's chosen to limit himself somehow in a way that's a mystery to people praying I want you to bind things I want you to loose the kingdom of God to pray it and father let your kingdom come in the name of Jesus and everybody's like yes Lord and and Lord would you stop the work of Satan in this area we bind that in the name of Jesus and it's like he says, heaven's will is connected to men and women praying on the earth. That makes corporate prayer like, OK, it's not just a little thing here. We're like affecting eternity by the way we come together and pray. So it's man, it's awesome. Uh, so then worship and, and uh, celebration. I've already mentioned some of this, but corporately, though, we are shaped by our worship. My heart is shaped when I come together and worship, uh, I got a message quotation here from Psalm 47 1. Applause, everyone. Bravo, bravissimo. Shout God's songs at the top of your lungs. And so, you know, the deal is you may have never shouted to God with all your might, <sighs> but it's a command, and it's certainly reasonable to do that from time to time, like it is to kneel or to dance. 
You know, those kinds of expressions of worship. How many of you guys like the horn frogs? Okay. Yeah, and so we get there, we're at the game, and man, it's like, and Jesus is way more the treasure than the horned frogs. And so there's a time to, to you know, and I'm not making a particular case. It's just like our heart should be that much and more the same way that we would get excited about, you know, the same when we come together and worship. Okay, I'll just mention a couple more. Submission and service. Submission and service. So this submission is Jesus was obedient even to the point of death. And there is... Oh, part of our journey is learning how to walk with each other and submit to one another in a way that reflects the cross of Jesus Christ or the towel of Jesus Christ, that he is the suffering servant who serves us. And we learn that whole process. Those are corporate practices. Lord's Supper and baptism are places where we especially connect with the Lord, remembering him like we just did or baptism like we did last week. We had a baptism and it's you see that we have died with Him. We've been raised with Him. We live a new life with Him. We are protected and cared for by Him. All of those things. So let me wrap this up today with this challenge. The challenge is those verses that we started with till Christ is formed in you, that you would grow up into the fullness of Christ, that you would be conformed to His image, that you would be renewed in the attitude of your mind, renewed in the image of our Creator, put on that new life, all of those things are something God wants to do and it's a journey and a process with Him. Pick your metaphor, but it is a process. We grow up into Jesus. So, three challenges. One, spend time with Jesus every morning. Spend morning time with Jesus every day. First challenge, spend time with Jesus Every day. I've said it before, but it's the most important piece of pastoral advice I could give you. You know, you want to grow in God, just start cultivating that. Just if you're at one out of seven, hey, let's let's bump it up. Let's take it to the next level. You know, if you're at four out of seven, let's go for every day. You know. Um, the second piece there is to join together. Join together. Uh, this week for prayer and fasting. This would be a practical right now thing that we can do. Join with us here on Wednesday nights. Join in. Jump in on the prayer and fasting thing. Jump in with us. That's a practical challenge. And then the third one is to connect, uh, excuse me, commit to weekly connection in church life. And again, if we're shaped by what we do when we come together, then the more I'm doing that in a regular way, it's shaping my loves. It's sh shaping my heart. It's shaping what I believe for and believe in. You know, and so if it's, let's say your normal is one Sunday out of four, hey, what if we went to two? If life group is kind of hit and miss, what if we committed to living life with others in community? Okay? And so that's going to shape us and change us and bless us and help us and grow more into the image of Jesus. If you guys would stand up. So here's the time where we respond to God. Ministry team's coming. Worship team's coming. And I want to I tell a little story about uh, yesterday. Something that happened. And a lot of times, I kind of 
it's not like I preach to Kim, but we, I do kind of talk things through with her. So she's like a professional sermon listener for all these years. And uh, I had an idea about how this was going to end and involved calling, you know, spiritual practices and stuff like that. And she goes, yeah, you know, that's good. But this is kind of about hunger for God. Like, who wants God? Who wants to treasure Jesus more? You know, and who wants God? Who wants to treasure Jesus more and press into him to listen to him, to to love him more? That's what this call is. We do this every Sunday after the message. And this the practices are just part of that journey, but it's a hard thing. I want you, Jesus. I want to be changed by you. I want to hear you. I want to love you. I want to treasure you. I'm hungry for you. If that's touching your heart today in some way, come get prayer. The front fills up and pray for each other out there. God, we need you so much. Would you meet us today in our place of need? In Jesus' mighty name, amen. You guys come, get prayer. Press into God. Be hungry for Him. We love you, Lord.